Banking stocks had a brutal start to the week after two major banks are taken over by regulators. Why did it happen and what changed in the overall markets immediately? Your market moment starts now. Welcome to the Mach 1 Market Moment, where we provide financial information on topics such as investing, insurance, financial planning, and everything related to your money. A quick reminder that the hosts of the show are employees of Mach 1 Financial Group. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and nothing said in the show should be taken as investment advice. Employees and clients of Mach 1 Financial Group may maintain positions in the securities or strategies discussed. Be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. Also, follow us on all all of our social media platforms. We are Mach 1 Financial Group on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Hello and welcome to the Market Moment. This is Eli Freeman joined here with Lee Mackey and Matt Walters. Guys, it's good to have you here. If you haven't heard, there's been a little bit of shakeup in the banking industry. Regulators have shut down two failed banks over the span of just a few days. Those are Signature Bank and Silicon Valley Bank. You might think that this would cause calamity in the market, but that hasn't exactly been the case. So let's start by just laying the groundwork. Lee, what is a bank failure? What does that actually mean? <laughs> That's a good question, Eli. You know, in this case, in this case, it's basically meaning that the bank um, cannot meet its financial obligations. For example, clients want to take money out of their accounts. The money may or may not be there. Um, you know, it's something that we take for granted. Oftentimes that, you know, you go to an ATM machine, you go to the teller window, you need $200. It's, it's there. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, when a bank fails, um, and, you know, they're not able to meet. And it's typically not just one demand. It's, you know, hundreds and thousands of demands for people's money. If it means that the bank cannot give the money to the people who have money at the bank, what would cause that? Why would why would a bank not be able to lend money to its customers? Well, I mean, you have either have too many people trying to take out too much money at one time, right? So the bank is not, it's not like you go, you go give money to a bank they're not just sitting on that cash, right? They're doing something with it. Mm. They're, they're loaning it out. They're, they're reinvesting um, that, buying treasuries, fixed incomes, you know, investing in mortgages. And so <clears throat> you put in $100,000. It's not like you can necessarily turn around three days later and get that exact same $100,000 out. Now, mm -hmm. they're probably going to have $100,000 of liquidity in general and can get that to you. But you have too many people trying to get too much money too quickly right there. The bank's in a position where now to raise the liquidity they need, they're either going to have to go sell assets, raise new money. Um, and so that just puts them in a tight spot, depending on kind of all the variables out there. If asset values are down, right, mm -hmm. they can't just go sell at a loss to raise the liquidity that they need. And so, um, like Lee said, it can be because of several things. But I think this instance was one we'll get into in a minute with, you know, rates increasing and what that did to the asset values of the assets that they own. But also that you had a lot of these tech companies, you know, specifically with Silicon Valley, they were withdrawing a lot of money and wanting to take a lot of money out. And the bank kind of got in a liquidity crunch. Mm -hmm. so. so I'll go through some of the steps that took so that Silicon Valley Bank failed. At the very, on Wednesday, Silicon Valley Bank told investors that it needed to raise $2.25 to shore up or fix its balance sheets. Customers then decided to withdraw about $42 billion of deposits by the end of day Thursday. 
So you see from Wednesday, they came and said, we need money. And then by the end of day, Thursday, so one business day. Well, <clears throat> and just to be clear, this, this, these, deposit, or these withdrawals had begun to happen. Um, this was not just a 24-hour phenomenon, but it was one that had begun to kind of pick up speed last week. Um, and then it culminated, you know, on this Wednesday, Thursday time frame. Um, and then what kind of shook the markets was when they when they basically told the public that they were not able to get the financing that they needed. That really spooked the overall markets. You know, here you have a bank that's been in existence for you know nearly half a century, mm-hmm. and they can't go get they can't get capital. Mm-hmm. And so that's when things really turned sour on, you know, the latter part of last week. Yeah. Like like you said, Lee, the bank had been in operation for 40 years. It's not like this was an up-and-coming new bank. So after that, the next day on Friday, Signature Bank customers out of panic withdrew more than $10 billion in deposits. So it went not from just the Silicon Valley Bank, then it moved to Signature Bank with the people coming and asking for their money back. And let's be clear, we're not talking about the Signature Bank that in is Arkansas. here in, in yeah. Arkansas, in North Signature Bank of New York. That is correct. Yeah. That's correct. And so, and you know, if you start to look at and this, is what they've seen, you've seen in the headlines probably is it, it sounds like a lot of people who banked at, at SVB were either also customers or probably friends with the customers at Signature, right? They were mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of tech technology focused companies and individuals. Some I know Signature did a lot of uh, business in the crypto space, and mm-hmm. those markets have been. I mean, crushed over the last year. And so yeah. just like an individual, right? A business, um, you can't borrow money as easy and things cost more. Your cash position probably dwindles, right? You're using more cash than you have in the past and you're not you're not borrowing more at a higher rate. You're probably using cash more than you did in the past. Well, that's what these businesses have been doing. These technology companies have probably for the first time in a while started burning through some more of their cash, mm-hmm. which has really, you know, made an impact, especially for these banks that had this concentrated position in the technology space. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and let's be clear, Signature Valley is a traditional bank, okay? But it was very focused on the tech industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was located in Silicon Valley. Most of its business customers were tech companies, mm-hmm. a lot of tech startups. And so you had, you know, a, I read today where Silicon Valley did a lot of its lending and they secured pre-IPO stock. Right. And so, you know, these these young startup companies out in, in Silicon Valley, they go to Signature, they secure loans with essentially, you know, stock that's not worth a whole lot, mm-hmm. especially in the general public's and eyes. it's considered highly risky. Very risky, yes. When in a hot IPO market, that's attractive, but when the IPO, IPO market dries up like it has, mm-hmm. right, all of a sudden that private equity that the banks maybe saw value in several years back, right, now there's not liquidity in that. Now those companies aren't going public or they're not they're not going and raising as much money in the outside market. And so, um, yeah, the fundamentals of those loans change. In the Absolutely. Cash and, so. and, and what has created an even harder issue or a tougher issue for SVB is the fact that you know, they were counting on probably a lot of those companies going public. Sure. Oh, and, absolutely. And now, well, A, they don't exist. The bank does not really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, it could not have been, I mean, it was the perfect storm, um, you know, and the signature bank fallout was kind of this contagion right. that, you know, everybody was kind of a little bit fearful of over the weekend. Um, and, you know, and even, you know, a Sh- Charles Schwab, you know, as an example, which most people, 
consider to be an investment firm, well, they do have a banking arm. You know, they're they're not immune to some of this fallout. Sure. Um, you know, and some people think that it's, you know, largely the fact that they're in the Bay Area, you know, and mm-hmm. and so they may or may not have had some issues with their with their the bank's investments or the company's investments. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of this is just this fear factor sure. of, you know, we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm getting out of this, this and this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't really care how big of a company you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, the as we, you know, as quickly as rates have changed, right, there's, that's going to inevitably impact certain things. And then you've got banks who... Um, I mean, we've been as a society for the last 15 years starved for yield, mm-hmm. right? Starved of yield. Like you, you've had to go out and get creative if you were needing to make any kind of yield whatsoever. And so they've, pro- you know, a lot of these banks, I, I just kind of expect or, or guess, were doing things that they wouldn't, in an ideal world, have to do to get a certain yield. Well, now that's changed, right? And so they were maybe taking a, a little bit longer on the duration side, or a little bit more risk on the fixed income yep. side, purchasing more trying to get higher yield, years. right? Yeah. Versus, you know, and so that that is obviously more impacted those types of positions when rates change and m- markets are volatile. And so it's just like you said, Lee, it's kind of the perfect storm. You com- you combine that with the liquidity needs of the, some of these technology companies. Um, in the in the you know last three to six months and it's things are going to be tough. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a pretty good summary as to to what happened with Silicon Valley and Signature. Two two things that I'd like to move forward into is one is what's going to happen with the people who bank at Silicon Valley and Signature, and then two is what kind of effects are we going to see outside of just those two individual banks? Well, <clears throat> I I let, let me answer the second question first was I, I don't believe this is a systematic problem in the financial services industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not something that is affecting, you know, home bank shares in Arkansas or Bank OZK or, you know, Regions or Bank of America. It, it, it's just not. Um, but what the, what, the, what the government was trying to kind of nip in the bud over the weekend was this fear that there would – that would spread across the country a little like, oh my gosh, I've got to go get my money out of the bank. Because there could be a risk in if most people in America become scared and want to take all of their cash out. I mean, that would be a Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, you know, the worst thing you could do right now is panic mm-hmm. without having full context of what's happening and what's going on and why. Mm-hmm. And so I think as soon as you put, put all that together, it makes sense and there's no reason to panic. So, um, you know, I give credit to the Fed and the Treasury and everybody kind of working on this, I think they've done a decent job in one, just educating people of like, here's why this happened. And here's what we're going to do to make sure that, you know, the people that took the risk to go out on this business venture and to create this bank and were invested in this bank, they're going to be the ones that lose, not the people who had deposits at the bank or taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it's been handled relatively decent considering all of this has happened in the last five days. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <clears throat> and your, your first question was basically what happens to the customers of those banks? Mm-hmm. Um, well, before the, before the treasury and the fed stepped in, you know, who knew, you know, I mean, they, they, they could have been out, you know, money over the FDIC limit of $250,000. What the government announced yesterday evening, Sunday evening was we're going to backstop. That was the word they were going to use. Essentially we were going to protect every deposit that customers had at the bank, um, and you know, and many of these business customers had hundreds of millions of dollars in deposits, and so the government basically came in and said, 
if you need access to your money, it will be there. Mm-hmm. And so, which was great from a from a business standpoint because you've got companies that have to pay their expenses, their bills, their they payroll. got payroll. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, we've we've said many times during these podcasts that you know one thing the markets absolutely do not like is uncertainty. Well, over the weekend you had a lot of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. What happened yesterday evening was the Fed came and took a lot of the uncertainty out of the way. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why you've seen probably the markets have, you know, you know, the futures were really strong last night, but the markets have kind of stabilized today, mm-hmm. you know, because some of that uncertainty has been removed. There's some there's some thought, some hope that, you know, does this does this force the Fed, Chairman Powell, to cool a little bit on, you know, future interest rate hikes. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah, so, I mean I think that's what you have the market you know, looking at, right. The market's quick to pivot its focus. Mm -hmm. And so it's reactionary, you know, at first of new news, you know, unexpected news, but then it immediately shifts to, okay, now what does this impact moving forward? Mm -hmm. Which is your point on future rate hikes. Yeah. Listening to several different documentaries this morning, just going through what's happening. A lot of people are starting to guess, imply, it's really just guessing at this point that the Federal Reserve might not raise interest rates and they'll ease the quantitative tightening that they're doing all at all at once due to something like this. So that's probably some of the stuff that we're seeing in the market. You know, my my concern is that me personally, you know, and for our, my clients is or our clients is that the Fed pivots away from their chief goal is to get inflation under control. And, you know, you know, I, I think that they will still raise rates. At next week's meeting, my guess is about 25 basis points, and then they pause. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I might be wrong, but I, I don't think – I think the Fed looks at it as like, you know, we can do both. We can make sure that inflation is going to get under control, and at the same time, we can take care of this problem that's, you know, that's crept up in, in parts of the financial services well, industry. Well, I mean, what they've been wanting to have, right, the, the whole issue has been there's been too much liquidity in the markets. There's been too much money out there. Well, this is a, albeit impactful, pretty small example of that's not a problem anymore. Like, here's a, here's a really good example of a bank, a certain part of the market where there's not too much liquidity. There was actually a lack thereof, mm-hmm. and then you've had a couple banks fail because of it. And so, I hopefully my thought is, you know, hopefully they see that as, okay what we've been doing, not that this was their goal, right, for a bank to fail, but it is having an impact Mm -hmm. in certain ways. And, you know, things aren't just rosy and good out there. Like there's some turmoil in certain ways. And I think that's almost what they've been looking for. Yeah. Right. Is that, you know, prices aren't going to keep going up. There's not too much liquidity. Things can normalize. And so um, we'll see, it'll be really interesting to see what they do next week. I do think this makes them at least second guess the 50, 50 basis point hike that everybody had kind of been pricing in. Um, but yeah. So to, to clarify, if you were a business owner, an investor, a director of these banks, you're not getting anything. So all of the people who are in charge of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, they're not going to get any form of They've been out. fired. They've been, yeah, I mean, they've been fired by the Federal Reserve. Well, FDIC came in and took over the bank and they fired you know management. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you were an equity owner in you know Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. if you were a bondholder, I mean you're you lost you lost everything, yeah. right? And that's that's how So like Biden came out and said, you know, the the people who owned equity in Silicon Valley Bank, the bondholders that, you know, they lost everything. And so it's like anytime you have a concentrated position 
like that, that's the risk that you take. And so not that anybody wanted it for those people, but it's the reality of it. And I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, you know, p- other people shouldn't be bailing these people out. You know, and I think the other thing that the government did that was smart was <clears throat> they stressed that it was not the taxpayers that were sure. bailing yep. out. And two, they did not bail out two of these banks. They allowed them to fail. Um, they are protecting the customers. And I think it was the right thing. And the reality, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, you know, the FDIC, Treasury, whoever comes in, takes control of these assets, right? They provide the short-term liquidity, but there's still assets there. Sure. Right? Yes. Now, they just are in a position, maybe they don't have to liquidate those assets immediately, right? So they can hold them until it makes sense. to. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're, to your point, they're not bailing them out. There are assets held by these banks mm-hmm. that are have been ta- has been taken over. Correct. They just have the flexibility to where they don't have to, re- you know, react um, reactionary yeah. and, and they can kind of shore, shore things up. They can manage them yeah, differently. Yeah, longer term and they'll unwind the assets as it makes sense to and they can kind of recoup some of the... And that would go back into the FDIC insurance fund. Yeah, I mean, it'll go to basically pay for, pay them back. You know, and I think, you know, if we're looking for a silver lining here in Northwest Arkansas with all this, you know, I think that uh, it, it may be short term, but I think you see, you know, the price of oil has dropped you know, this morning, 5%, you know, you might see it passed along at the gas pump, Mm -hmm. you know, at least temporarily. And the 10-year bond has plummeted today. um, Which which, helps home buyers. Which helps home buyers. So I think that, you know, it may be short term, but I think that, um, you know, folks who are trying to lock in a good mortgage rate over the next, you know, few days are going to see a better price than they would have gotten a week ago. Yeah, you might be able to find a 5%. I mean, you could. I mean, the the, the 10-year you know, this morning was around four three, and it had not been that way four four, and it hadn't been that way for a while. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it was a newsworthy story this weekend. I don't think it's over. I, I still think that there will be continued fallout, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't think you know that it rose to the level of you know how does this affect us here and in our listeners in Northwest Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I was listening to David Kelly, who's the chief global strategist for J.P. Morgan, and one of the things that he said that I would like to use probably as our quote of the day today, so we always like to do a quote of the day, this will be what I finish with, is he said, do not get caught up in the crisis. And then he alluded to so many people will make sell decisions and then try and figure out the data. He said, that's how you end up selling low and buying high. So do not get caught up in the crisis. This is something that is being taken care of. And we don't know the full ramifications of it, but something that we do know is making rash, quick decisions does not take you in the place that you need to be. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us today. And for, I'm sure you can hear in the background, there's construction going across just on the hallway next to us from this podcast room. So thanks for putting up with the drilling sounds right next to us. Well, we look forward to having you next week on The Market Moment. Mach 1 Financial Group, LLC, Mach 1, is an SEC-registered investment advisor located in Rogers, Arkansas. Mach 1 may only transact business in those states in which it maintains a notice filing or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Third-party ratings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client, nor are they represented 
representative of any one client's evaluation. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss, including the loss of principal. Actual account results may have been higher or lower than the results mentioned, depending on an individual's investment timing, cash movement, size of the account, and client restriction. Past performance is not indicative of future results. For full disclosures, please see mock-onefinancial.com disclosures.